0: Support our programming at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Become a patron, and your contributions can help unlock bonus shows from RFR, online hangouts with the Rebel Force Radio crew, and more. Say it loud and say it proud. Support Rebel Force Radio. Click on the Patreon banner at rebelforceradio.com or visit patreon.com slash rebelforceradio.
1: Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, Star Crunch, Cosmic Cupcakes, Cosmic Brownies, Nutty Bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode VII, The Force Awakens. All from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for.
2: A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins.
5: pictures online of Jimmy Mac out at the, I'm calling it the Million Fan March. (laughs) The Million Fan March there in Chicago as supporters of the Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts rallied together in a show of strength and commitment to the vision of uh, the notorious GL and bringing his well, I mean the subtotal of his career and All of that into one glorious, beautiful museum. We've been covering it here on the program since the rumors first started. We've got a fantastic update coming up for you as well as uh, some news on uh, Episode 8. We've got some Rogue One stuff to talk about. Uh, We've got uh, some general uh, uh, Disney news, some surprises out of the House of Mouse. Uh, All kinds of things. You don't want to miss it here on Rebel Force Radio this week for May 13th, 2016. And uh, we are fresh from our uh, four-hour uh, marathon podcast from uh, Rancho Obi-Wan. Jimmy Mack was there. I was here in Rebel Force Radio Central uh, bringing that to you. So if you haven't listened to those two shows, they're great guests popping in uh, all along the way. Um, but uh, before we get uh, too much further, do want to introduce ourselves in case you're new to the program. My name is Jason. And with me, my good friend and yours, back from San Francisco, now in Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason, hey,
0: Star Wars fans, make that Jimmy Mack, Star Wars
5: activist. Oh, boy. Not yeah. you. Not you, too. Everybody's an activist now.
0: <laughs> I, I have. You know what? I, uh, uh, the, the sight of me marching on the streets of Chicago with a bunch of people, we're all holding signs and everything. Some of my friends did start slapping my wrist before they realized what I was actually out there doing. (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of crazy cause is this guy behind all of a sudden? (laughs) When they realized that the cause was not that crazy, but pretty typical for me, trying to defend and save the Lucas Museum from leaving Chicago, Uh, well, you know, people
5: understood, right. But, uh, you know, a lot there of very people... few things that could get Jimmy Mac out of bed early in the morning with a picket <laughs> sign in his hand. And uh, George Lucas and the museum is is one of those. But I, we're going to get to that and all bunch of things um, later on as the program unfolds. But I have I have a really weird uh, thing that happened to me a couple weeks ago. And I realized that I never told you about this, Jim. OK, it's, it, it's it's weird. And it's not exactly Star Warsy, mm-hmm. but I think. Most of the folks listening to this show will will get it. So, picture me. I'm. It's about six thirty, quarter till seven. I'm leaving the office. I'm pulling out of the parking garage, and I see this guy just out of nowhere step in front of my car to the point where I had to slam on the brakes. And I'm looking at this guy and thinking, okay, this he doesn't look homeless, but he doesn't look like he has a nice home to go to. You know, I mean, he 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 looked like. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, he could be a street person, I guess. I, I just, I'm. All these things are flashing through my mind. Right. Let's and just say he, he was a little rough around. He me. was. A, he looked a little rough. He looked a little rough. And and as I slam on the brakes, you know, he he looks at me, and we're, you were kind of, you know, he's. I, I see him through the windshield, and I'm. He, he kind of nods, like you know, I don't know whose fault this was, my fault or your fault, and he starts moving on. And I had my window down. And I'm taking a look at this guy, and I'm like, God, he looks familiar. He really looks familiar. Who is this? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, is that Q from Star Trek The Next Generation? No way. Is that John DeLancey? Great yeah. character actor. You know, yeah. but very famous uh, for playing the role of Q on Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, Next Generation. So I'm at a light now, and he's still, you know, not that far from me. Thinking, all right, I, I gotta find out if this is him, you know. And uh, so the the thing that runs through my mind is that Seinfeld episode when Kramer's trying to talk to Joe DiMaggio in the donut shop, right? And he starts making those yip noises. You know, he's there at the table, he's just like banging on the table. Yep,
6: yep. So then I started doing these yelping noises, like. <laughs>
4: Reaction, because the guy is so focused, you see, he can just black out anything that's going on around
5: him. So <laughs> I need a way to get this guy's attention. I don't know why I didn't just, you know, you know, get out of the, you know, park the car, go and approach him. I don't know why I didn't do that, but I, I didn't know it was him. So I, I'm just kind of sitting there in the car and I kind of got my head towards the other way and I'm like, <clears throat> John. <clears throat> Hey, John. (coughs) (laughs) And I'm not getting any reaction from him. And finally, I just look out the window and I just go, you." (laughs) I say, John guy spins around. We're now practically nose to nose. And it is very clearly John Delancey, the actor. It's John Delancey. So I, uh, he says, yes. And I said, I I had nothing. I had nothing to say. (laughs) I said, uh, hi, just a fan, Uh, saying hi. Welcome to Cleveland. Can I help you find somewhere? He's like, no, I've been here for a month. I'm doing a play right here at Playhouse Square. Oh, (laughs) get out where you work. (laughs) Where I work. You don't even know this. I didn't know this. I had Q living in my building practically (laughs) for a month. And then, you know, I just said, oh, welcome to Cleveland. It's nice to have you. Uh, and uh, I, you know, jumped online to see how long the play was going to be there, and that was the closing weekend, so I didn't even get a chance to see the play. And, but the thought occurred to me, what if i had hit him with my car? What would the headlines have been? Star Wars podcaster <laughs> runs over beloved Star Trek actor in car. <laughs> Could I have started a war? Could that have been like when Archduke Ferdinand was killed <laughs> and World War I broke out? Trekkies and <laughs> Star Wars fans finally going after each other, all because of uh, my bad driving and his bad timing. It's a moment that will live in infamy. Anyway, so for those of you who don't know who he is, look him up. He's a great character actor. Even if you weren't a Star Trek Next Generation fan, you'll look at his picture and go, Oh, that guy. You know, he's one of those, got one of those faces. So, well, thank But I was always a big fan. You can't kill Q. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I tried.
0: (laughs) You can't kill Q. You know, he was also uh, in Breaking Bad. He was in a few episodes of Breaking Bad. Yeah.
5: Well, anyway, so thanks for indulging me. But it was just one of those bizarre, (laughs) weird happenings and um,
0: so random. (laughs) Sorry.
2: <laughs> Hear this, Picard, and reflect. All the galaxy is a stage. World, not galaxy. All the world's a stage. Oh, you know that one. Well, if he were living now, he would have said galaxy.
4: Get out of here, you Kirk-loving Spock suckers!
5: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but let's let's talk about uh, random things, and uh, Jimmy Mack teaming up with um, Michael Whitwer, who's the brother of our good friend Sam Whitwer. Uh, another Chicago guy. They're both Chicago guys, obviously, grown up in the same uh, area as you, Jim. And so, what was uh, what was the scene like, and how did how did this rally come about? I didn't realize it was that it was that dire that the situation was that dire that Chicago might lose this.
0: Yeah, it all happened last week, Jason, and it happened in a rapid series of events, starting early in the week when it was publicly announced that the Friends of the Park which is a small special interest group has essentially held up the construction of the Lucas museum construction was to have started this spring and uh, groundbreaking is not happening because of this lawsuit that was filed by a special interest group claiming that uh, they needed to protect the lakefront from uh, any sort of construction going on there. That's kind of a, a, a legal loophole, and I'll get into that in a minute, because I really want to explain to people what is actually preventing the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Art from being built in Chicago. Some people are pointing the finger at the city of Chicago, saying Mayor Rahm Emanuel is, is preventing it from happening. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. Rahm Emanuel is the biggest supporter of the museum. And he's the one who wants it built more than anything because he knows what it'll bring to the city. As far as jobs, economic opportunities, increased tourism and expanded educational and cultural opportunities. Um, Ram's not holding it up. Not directly. The biggest problem is Rahm Emanuel also happens to be the least popular guy in the city of Chicago. <laughs> Right, and there are a lot of people out there who want to see him fail at anything he does.
5: So he doesn't have exactly uh, the uh, the support, the political um, muscle that he used to have. He's the backing that he would need for something like this, right?
0: Yeah, things have have been a, a slippery slope for Rom over the course of the last couple of years here in Chicago, thanks to the fact that the public school system is a mess. And uh, cops are shooting people and people are shooting cops and it's a nightmare. Mm. Mm. So, but I mean, this area we're talking about is prime real estate in downtown Chicago on the museum campus, the museum campus. (laughs) I I know it's insane that a museum can't be built on the museum campus where museums have been standing for over a hundred years. But there is a legal loophole that the Friends of the Park is using to hold the city of Chicago and the Lucas Museum hostage. And as a result, uh, there's been um, a lawsuit in place, and uh, a judge has put a hold on construction of the museum, forcing Lucas to consider other cities. So here we go again. George was prevented from building the museum in San Francisco, where a lot of people think the museum should be built. But he couldn't build it in the spot he wanted to, which uh, is a site of a really dismal-looking sporting goods store. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's in prime real estate there at the Presidio. So he took his ball and came to Chicago, where his wife lives and is from, Melody Hobson. And uh, George worked out a deal with the city of Chicago to build the museum on what is currently a parking lot that is between Soldier Field and the large convention center known as McCormick Place. What's happening here and why the Friends of the Park have basis for a legal challenge is because they are misinterpreting, in our uh, opinion, uh, something called the Public Trust Doctrine, which was put in place to protect the public against private commercial interests being built up on valuable public space like park space on the shoreline, like so, like hotels, amusement parks, casinos, restaurants. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those things. This is a museum to be built in a place that also is the home to the Field Museum, Soldier Field, the Adler Planetarium, the Shedd Aquarium. It will be another museum there. So, um, long story short, Lucas doesn't feel like uh, he has to beg and give up his prime spot because he wants mm-hmm. to donate. million to the city of Chicago to
5: build this museum. There's more to what uh, Lucas is putting on the table than just building the museum, right? There's also uh, preservation and it's being constructed or or the plan is to construct it in such a way that a lot of these goals would still be met that the the opposition has.
0: The opposition wants to save this parking lot because they think that someday it will be converted into park space for public park space for people to use well lucas wants to use a part of this land and then build park space around it Mm -hmm. no one with the friends of the park have the money or the funds to build a park there lucas is saying i'll build a park here and i'll build a world-class museum and taxpayers won't have to pay a dime for it So the Friends of the Park, they put a hold on their lawsuit early last week. Everyone rejoiced. Oh, my God, they're not being so stubborn. They're willing to talk. Um, Emmanuel came up with this new plan to raise McCormick Place, which is basically like this giant wall uh, blocking uh, everyone's view from the lakeshore, and uh, actually raise that converted into parkland and put the Lucas Museum there where it will only take up a tiny portion of the structural footprint that is currently being used by McCormick Place. Immediately, the Friends of the Park said, we will file a lawsuit and we will take you to court if you try to build the Lucas Museum anywhere on the lakeshore. Melody Hobson heard this. She blew up. She uh, says the Friends of the Park are hijacking the museum and holding the city and its residents hostage, all based on this legal technicality, and so she's threatening the split. I think it's really important, though, that people should support the museum here in Chicago because I know a lot of people, are, you're listening to this show, and you're from all parts of the globe— The reason it should be in Chicago, though, is because so much work has been done to actually get this Mm. thing off the ground. It is ready to be built today. If Lucas has to take it somewhere else, it's going to delay the project by at least five years. And um, George isn't getting any younger, you know. It's going to take three years to build the thing. So it has to happen now. So – we got together with a group of uh, – me and Michael Witwer, actually. I, I, I've been in touch with Michael because Michael is an author, and uh, he's a great writer. He's, he's the author of uh, this critically acclaimed book uh, called Empire of Imagination, Gary Gajek's and the Birth of Dungeons and Dragons. He's a real smart guy. He went to Northwestern University. He has, also has a degree from the University of Chicago. And what makes Michael the guy? Obviously, being Sam Witwer's brother, he's a huge Star Wars fan. And he wrote this really impressive blog about the museum and about the law, this loophole that the Friends of the Park are exploiting. And he wrote this really impressive piece, so I've been in touch with him. And uh, the reason that he has such great insight about it is because in another lifetime... Michael worked in the uh, urban planning and engineering field, and he actually consulted on a lot of projects for the city of Chicago and the Chicago Park District. So he knows what he's talking about. He knows the laws. He's a certified urban planner. And uh, me and Michael teamed up on May the 4th. And we went to WGN Radio, of course. Rebel Force Radio, our, our friends at uh, WGN Radio, they they support us. They they carry Rebel Force Radio on uh, WGN Plus, and they uh, bring us on the air whenever there's breaking Star Wars news. So myself and Michael met up downtown in uh, at the Tribune Tower and uh, sat in on uh, Wendy and Bill's show. Of course, Wendy Snyder, my wife, and uh, Bill Leff at WGN. And Michael, I mean, my goodness, does he know his stuff? And you can hear this entire interview at uh, WGNRadio.com. So let's listen in to uh, Michael Whitwer and myself on WGN Radio.
7: There's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me on this, but I fundamentally challenge the Friends of the Park's uh, legal viability, their case. Yes, it is based on the public trust doctrine, which is inherently a very complex land use issue. But here's the problem. The Friends of the Parks knows that simply by engaging in a lawsuit, which can be initiated by any private citizen or any, uh, any organization to, uh, on this particular ground. They know that by, simply by getting it to trial, that the, the project will leave. It will encumber the project in such a way that George Lucas will take his museum elsewhere. Because of the time element, Lucas's people don't want to waste the
2: time. They want to get the museum built.
1: And why should they? They've been waiting two years to break ground on this yeah. as this is almost a stall tactic. You don't think they'd win in court.
7: I, I think I think there's no viability to their case. Uh, Jimmy, do you know the numbers on, on what it would really ultimately provide us?
0: Oh, my God. We're talking about Lucas alone making... A donation of almost one billion dollars to the city of chicago mm-hmm. to to refine that area of uh, of lakeshore we're talking about 1500 construction jobs 350 permanent jobs decades of tourism dollar mm-hmm. educational opportunities for all the kids within the city and beyond and access to
7: george lucas's priceless collection of artwork the star wars part of this is such a misconception right so there's a group of people out there that says well only Star Wars geeks are going to go see this. So firstly, let me start with the Star Wars part. Let's go ahead and just air that out. Star Wars is the most valuable intellectual property on the planet. Mm-hmm. It is a $40 billion industry since it started in 1977.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: Star Wars is not a niche interest anymore. It's not for geeks. It's the number one movie of all time, as we know it, The Force Awakens. This is not a niche interest. As a matter of fact, it's, it's one of the most accessible realms of fiction that we have, really. So starting there, if it was just Star Wars, that would probably be still worth it.
1: Exactly. But I think it, a lot of misconceptions came out there. This is a museum. Uh, you know, we have the Field Museum with the uh, all these exhibits. This is just going to be for Star Wars geeks to go to. That's not
0: what it's about. The Lucas Museum is actually going to host... Comic art, magazine covers, Norman Rockwell. George Lucas has one of the world's largest collections of Norman Rockwell art. He has artwork from all over the world. Wendy, you and me, we've been to Lucasfilm. We've been to Skywalker Ranch. We see the way that George presents his, his passions and his collection with taste in class. And we're talking about things that are far beyond star Wars. Things like Charlie Chaplin's hat is just sitting there Mm -hmm. within George Lucas's collection. He has a massive collection of film memorabilia and historical pop culture artifacts that should be on display in a museum, not housed up in a warehouse in Marin or wherever he has all this stuff stored. Also, he's going to be taking in private collections they're going to be donated to be viewed. Um, he has tons of connections within the modern art world. And How could
1: this be a miss? How could we let this go not only out of our it's, city? It's,
0: it's the philanthropy of what he's doing. He's donating, gosh, almost three quarters of a billion dollars of his own money out of pocket to make what is now McCormick Place East. The, the lakeside center or whatever they call that thing is, is a uh, uh, former mayor daily used to call it the Berlin wall of Lake Michigan. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're proposing tearing it down smaller footprints being made by the actual Lucas museum and then beautiful parkland surrounding it. So there we're fighting a good fight. You know, we're taking That's it right. to the airwaves, but that wasn't good enough. Jason, <laughs> that wasn't good <laughs> enough. Me and Michael, we took it to the streets. <laughs> 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 so we uh, we we gathered together on May the fourth with uh, about three dozen other uh, supporters and. Um, a guy named Gino actually uh, organized uh, the rally al- along with uh, assistance from Michael and myself. And, uh, we had uh, less than 24 hours to, to gather up a group of people, but we had people coming in from all over uh, the city and suburbs. Um, gosh, we had a rebel force radio listener named Steve Bennett who flew up from Texas because he saw, we were posting about the rally and, uh, yeah, we took it to the streets and uh we, we went out on State Street in downtown Chicago in front of the Friends of the Park headquarters and some high rise there and uh we uh, were armed with signs and uh and chants. We have chants. You know, <laughs> I, we, no you know, it's it's hard at first because it, not many Hell things, no, we won't go. Well, you know, not many things rhyme with museum. But uh, <laughs> more on that later. Um <laughs> But uh, when we arrived, uh, there was the the cops were all there. Uh, There was all sort of uh, TV news and media, and uh, I was uh, approached by a reporter, uh, Kristen from uh, WGN Radio, who approached me on the street, and I talked to her about our cause. Hi, Hi,
4: you're on Facebook
7: Live for WGN Radio. Hi, WGN Radio. Save the museum. How you doing? Save the museum. Come on, come out.
4: Bring it back. So what's
0: going to happen at, at 4.30? We're just trying to build support and raise awareness and the fact that this museum is going to slip through our fingers. If, if We can't let that happen. This is a great cultural opportunity for the city of Chicago. This is a great opportunity to build jobs, to develop tourist dollar, and to just create a great educational experience for the children of the area and children all around the world. So, you got to say the Lucas Museum. Why do you think
4: it's been such a, had such,
0: so much trouble getting acceptance? Yikes. Well, it's a small special interest group that's hijacked the, uh, the project altogether and it's all being done because of yes. legal yes. loopholes, red you know. tape, fine print. There's really no strong reason why this this great museum should be blocked from the shore of Lake Michigan. Name. Why does
4: this I museum have, the have museum. a special place
0: in your heart? Does it have a special place in my heart? Uh, yeah, well, um, why, why care about I'm gonna, uh, so I grew up on oh, the films of George Lucas, and I've also oh, been God. able to uh, get oh, to so can know can how the man operates and the amount of. Of class, dignity, and respect, he has for the history of art, pop culture, modern film. Let's face it: there is no greater, uh, no greater acceptance of art by society these days outside of film. Can you think of any other art? method of art or medium of art that gets people buzzing, like film, movies, everyone goes to the movies. And so there should be a museum here in Chicago, great city of Chicago, the Museum of Campus, to preserve the history of film. And George, I mean, this is is three quarters of a billion dollars that he is donating to the city of Chicago Uh, to make this happen. You know, 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 to to block such philanthropy, um, it's really just, it makes you scratch
4: your head. So what do you hope uh, people that are protesting with you, what message do you want to send out to everybody else?
0: The message we want to send out is um, to convince the, the Friends of the Parks that what they are trying to protect doesn't exist because... The museum campus is already there. The buildings are already there. There is nothing to protect and the other thing is, is that this development will provide additional parkland, which is, isn't that what the Friends of the Park want? Yeah. All right. Good luck with your
4: protest. Thank you. What's your
6: name?
4: Jimmy Mack. <laughs>
0: Host
6: of the best podcast,
0: Star Wars podcast there is. Yes. What's your Star Wars podcast? Uh, you can hear me on Rebel Force Radio, the Star Wars podcast. Find us on iTunes, WGN, Plus, and anywhere you get podcasts.
4: There's also another show on WGN Radio that. You- they said
0: should listen to, you, right? Oh, and of course, uh, Bill and Wendy. Okay. Middays Monday through Friday. Okay. Big
4: Star Wars fans <laughs> there too. Offices this I know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, she didn't know who she was talking to you know, there.
0: Kristen Decker, um, when you work in radio, oftentimes you work with people and you don't see their faces because they're at oh sure. Behind right. mic somewhere else, or they're at a remote location. Now I've met Kristen before, but years ago. And uh, she's pretty cool, um, but yeah, she, was, she didn't know who she was talking to for a second. I'd On like a couple see, of levels, right? I'd, I'd like to know see. It was, you were Mr. Mister Wendy Snyder? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Of course, <laughs> she had to make sure that I plug uh, the wife show there, too. <laughs> but so finally, the, the, the rally kicks in, and um, Gino was behind the microphone. We were all out there, like I said, about three dozen of us. Um, Michael Whitwer. We're holding the signs. We're chanting. So here's a, a little taste of that. Let's let's go to the streets of Chicago, May the fourth, for the Save the Lucas Museum rally.
4: Friends of the park, how do you call yourself friends of the park, when we have someone donating almost a billion dollars, the largest donation to the city in the history of the city, by a factor of five. Yeah. Yeah we love George, we, we, love George. Right. we love George 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 what do we want when do we want it <clears throat> what do we want <coughs> when do we want it <bearings> no. do we want it in another location <clears throat> <laughs> who's standing in our way <speaking> in the Stop, friends of the parking lot! Stop, friends of <laughs> the parking lot! Stop, friends of 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 the parking lot! The, parking lot. And the ironic thing is that a lot of people here also love parks. I love parks. We love our <imitating> parks. We want you to do your job.
5: All right. You know, I think, you know, as you pointed out, Jim, the thing that just scratches your head, you know, all you hear about is how uh, states and municipalities and cities and all, you know, all over the country are all bankrupt. They don't have any money. Um, and here you got a guy that's willing to give uh, not just, uh, you know, a huge sum of money, but on top of that, creating, um, you know, a sort of uh, uh, mecca for fans of the most Pop, as, as, as Michael pointed out, the most successful intellectual property ever. This is an upgrade the city of Chicago desperately needs.
0: So what um, I'm asking you guys to do, if you wouldn't mind, there's a, a website we put together called buildlucas.com buildlucas.com and you'll see there's a little uh, button there. You you click there and you print the sign. The sign says build Lucas. Well, it it also says build. And then there's a blank spot and in the blank spot, you write in whatever you want to write. I wrote build the force. And, uh, then you, uh, Put it up on Twitter with the hashtag Bill Lucas mm, well, I mean just I'm looking you know, at it right now the okay. thing is 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 we just need to show George that there is support that we want the museum. I want all rebel force radio listeners to come to Chicago. I will meet anyone who comes to town and says i 'm going to that museum i 'll meet you there, and we will walk through that museum together it 's really important to to the city that's uh the city's hurting right now and could really use. The, the the help and and here's Lucas coming in to be this this great benefactor for the city and Chicago politics my friend Chicago politics wow
5: wow and even somebody who's friendly you know politically with uh, what's going on in Chicago uh, in the leadership there still can't get something done it's just you know uh, gridlock um, insane. Insane. All right. Uh, Well, on to uh, some happier news. Um, As you uh, may know, if you are followers of the program, that we were involved in a wonderful effort to help raise money and more awareness for Steve Sansweet's Rancho Obi Wan. And as a lot of folks don't realize, it is a nonprofit and is a charitable organization, and any donations that you make uh, are tax deductible. So become a member get that tax deduction and go look at some Star Wars memorabilia and save on your taxes. Like, is this the greatest deal ever? Um, But uh, Jim, you've got an update for how we did and and how the effort is going, because it's not just here at rebel force radio, but a lot of uh, Steve's friends across the Star Wars fan community are pitching into the effort. Yeah. And we've uh, become an official fundraiser for Rancho Obi-Wan during this spring
0: fundraising event. And our goal is, is to, along with the help of you guys, to raise $1,138. That's right. Our goal is 1138, 1138. And uh, we're more than halfway there. And uh, we're sitting at $662. The, uh, the the goal overall for Rancho Obi-Wan is to raise $35,000. And why do they need it? Well, you know that great cantina you saw at Star Wars Celebration and other Lucasfilm events? That's going to Rancho Obi-Wan, but they need to create the building to place that, and that's going to cost a lot of money. They need a new roof. We have to do everything we can to protect the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, and that's at Rancho Obi-Wan. So many of you you guys have donated. Andrew Kiefer, Alexander Gates, thank you guys uh, so much. Let's see who else is here. Some anonymous, anonymous. Steve Bennett, once again. Steve Bennett, the guy who flew to Chicago for the Lucas Museum rally, he, uh, he donated. Heather Goldman, uh, Stephen Jimenez, and Kieran Duggan. You know, these guys are really answering the call and doing what they can to help Rancho Obi-Wan survive into the future for generations to come to enjoy Star Wars Awesomeness. And I'm I'm really behind this. You know, after going out there and hanging out with the guys and really seeing what kind of sacrifices that they make to maintain and keep the museum alive just really makes me want to give and do as much as I possibly can. So we're just hoping you guys can uh, help us out. We want to raise uh eleven thirty eight for Rancho Obi Wan. So all you have to do is visit donate dot dot org slash rebelforce radio and you'll see a post. On our Facebook page and at RebelForcerAdio.com. So uh, click the link and do what you can to maintain the world's largest Star Wars collection. Rancho
1: Obi-Wan is home to the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, as recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. Become a member of Rancho Obi-Wan right now to get exclusive access to tours of Rancho Obi-Wan, hosted by Steve Sandsweet, invites to special events, and more. Plus, you can also make a difference and help Rancho Obi-Wan grow with a simple donation of $1 or higher. Visit RanchoObi-Wan.org now to get the latest news. Become a member or make a donation. RanchoOB1.org.
5: All right. And, uh, you know, I've been hearing some things about this, but I, I got, I'm really glad that this is coming up on the show because I need to know more about this. This, this documentary called Elstree, 1976, and it is now currently in theaters and available on demand in some certain um, places. I've not seen this yet and just when you think you've seen everything there is to see about star wars the making of star wars you know out comes something like this that really tries to take a new and unique uh perspective and uh, jim is this this film have have you seen it yes i have seen you've it you've now seen it okay yeah. and so where can we see this did you actually go to the theater to see it or is it something you downloaded or you know, it is playing at a theater not far from me in
0: Schaumburg, but no, I did watch it on uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime. You you can get it on YouTube. Oh, you can? Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, all right. I'm adding it to the queue right now. Yeah, very easy. I didn't to, realize that. Very easy to, to get a hold of this cool little documentary. It just came out last week. It's called Elstree 1976. And what it's all about is it's a look into the lives of the actors and extras behind uh, Star Wars and and how Star Wars has affected their lives. So basically the way the documentary is broken down, it's in essentially three parts. You, uh, you have interviews with the cast where they discuss where their life was before Star Wars, what their experience was like doing Star Wars, and how Star Wars has impacted their life afterwards. And um, with a cast of uh, guys like... Uh, David Prowse and Jeremy Bullock, two names very well-known to Star Wars fans. Of course, David played Darth Vader. Jeremy played Boba Fett. Um, yeah, you you understand how Star Wars had an impact on their life. But if I said, boy, I wonder what kind of impact Star Wars had on the life of John Chapman. You'd be like, well, what, who da, what, who's John Chapman? John Chapman played an X-Wing pilot who you really only see the back of his head in one part of the film, during the, the rebel briefing room sequence, you know, the, the Death Star trench run General Dodona briefing, uh, you see the back of his head. <laughs> and um, also, he's featured standing in the, uh, in the throne room at the end, and Luke, Han, and Chewie walk by him as he's standing there at attention with fellow X Wing pilots. <laughs> so he's, I mean, really nothing more than an extra. You know, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. John is not acting in this film. He is standing in this film. And uh, Angus McGinnis, of course, who uh, uh, played uh, the uh, Red Leader. And, oh uh, no, he played Dutch. Dutch Vander? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was also uh, R- Rosie the Rose from uh, the movie Strange Brew with uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie, eh? Um, <laughs> but so Angus is an actor, though. He's very much an actor. You know, he, his face was seen on screen. He actually had. Speaking lines, he, he's a real actor. Anthony Forrest, another guy who's a real actor and somebody we talked to here on Rebel Force Radio before. He played the Sand Trooper. We don't need to see his identification. And uh, Fixer in the scenes that ended up on the cutting room floor. Also ending up on the cutting room floor mostly was Garrick Hagen, who played Dark Lighter. His uh, scenes with Luke were famously cut out of the beginning of the film, and then he just shows up at the uh, end as a a fellow X-Wing pilot with Luke. Paul Blake, who played Greedo, well, let's say half of Greedo, because he played Greedo in the London shoots, but there were pickup shoots here in the States where um, Greedo was played by an actress. Uh, Derek Lyons, uh, again, a guy who basically had a small-time film career as a, An extra, he was one of the guys who was one of the medal presenters in the throne room when uh, uh, General Dodonna grabbed the medal and handed it to Leia. I think that's how that went. And he was also one of the uh, security guards in the throne room when Lukan and Chewie walk in. He's standing there at attention with another guy flanking the door. Um, Who else was in? Pam Rose, who played that weird, big-headed... a uh, woman in the cantina um, whose name is Escaping Me, the character. She's pink. She's got a big head. She's wearing oh, a um... silver uh, bikini. Uh, <laughs> what was her name? I mean, talk about Bit Player. You, you barely see her in the film. I mean, she's strictly background. And uh, Laurie Good, our friend Laurie Good, the, the stormtrooper who hit his head. And Laurie, of course, is as affable and friendly as he was here on Rebel Force Radio. Uh, quite honestly, you know, having done interviews with several of the members of this cast over the years uh, meant that the, the film itself didn't really have those big-time revelations for me. Uh, really didn't. But there were a few standout moments, and I, I did pull some sound just to give you a little taste <laughs> of... What this film's all about. Now, as far as a documentary, it's mostly an interview sort of thing where people just sort of talk about what their experience was like in Star Wars. Uh, Paul Blake, where the film really stands out, because it does get a little mundane in certain points and borderline boring in others, uh, but where the film really stands out is when these guys are actually talking about their experience on the set. And Paul Blake told a story I've never heard before. Uh, Paul showed up to the soundstage at Elstree to uh, shoot the cantina sequence. And uh, he was sort of just taken in the scenery. And it, it's a funny story. Let's let Paul tell it.
8: Walked out onto this massive um, soundstage full of sand with this spaceship, which I later found out was the Millennium Falcon up the other end. And thought, this is quite impressive because, of course, all, all sci-fi movies in the Sixties and seventies were B, C, D, or e, e movies, you know, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. But this looked well. This this is quite interesting, you know. I thought, oh well, maybe it's not going to be as terrible as uh, as it promised to be. And but there's nobody there uh, except one bloke right in the far corner. And I thought, oh, he's the man. He'll know what's going on. So I I said, excuse me, I'm my name's Paul. Somebody's called me over here to see some guy. Oh, you couldn't get me a cup of coffee because I'm desperate. For a coffee would you and he said yeah sure so he went and got me a coffee and came back and I said oh thanks very much um, do you know this guy called Lucas George somebody or other he's the director of this I think there's a movie he said I, I'm i George, uh, George <laughs> so I made George go and get me a cup of coffee and he then, then said oh right yeah yeah this this alien yeah um well do you want to do it <laughs> and it was as simple as
5: that <laughs> wow have a cup of coffee with george right yeah. uh a coffee, coffee from george yeah uh, amazing and and you know these are as you point out jim i mean these are the the stories that only can be told by uh the folks that were actually there and you know when you think about the fact that uh you know, we're getting as I'm getting close to 40. So is Star Wars. You know, it's not going to be too far out that a lot of the 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 people that were you know the first person narrative of the making of these movies is you know it's it's in danger of not being uh, available to us anymore. So the more of these types of films, uh, even if they do run the run the uh, risk of being mundane from time to time, it's gems like that that we need to preserve.
0: That's well said, Jason. And, you know, that's a thought that raced through my mind watching this thing because there is this, this melancholy feeling about this documentary that, you know, um, sometimes life presents opportunities that come and go. Um, other times it presents opportunities that pay off years later than you thought they would. And it's also about, you know, getting older and uh, the inevitability of aging you get a a sense of that throughout the film. And um, because as you said, you know, these guys aren't getting any younger. And uh, I love getting the, the reports from the front lines from guys who were seeing it in a way different way, a whole different perspective. You can watch DVD bonus extras and hear Mark Harrison, Carrie and George and, Billy D. these guys talk about shooting Star Wars, but they're talking about their perspective from way up high in the tower. I like to hear from the guys who are just, you know, down and dirty in the trenches. And, you know, the, the guys who really got their hands dirty and, and really have a different story to tell. Like this guy, John Chapman, who I mentioned before. Really, you, you see the back of his head for about half a second when everyone gets up to leave and... Uh, and uh, he's standing there in the throne room as everyone goes walking by. John and, uh, and uh, also in the film Derek Lyons, they report that Mark Hamill was the guy out of the, all the stars of the film. He was the guy who hung out with, with the regular guys, with the extras, and he would pal around with people and stuff. And so John has a pretty funny story about hanging out with Mark Hamill.
8: He was very friendly with everybody, but I spent some time with him, Mark Hamill. And... Um we just had lunch and we'd gone back into the shoot in this, in this ceremonial entrance and we all lined up and it must have been the, the third AD said, you've got to keep your visors down on your helmets because, you know, you've just got to keep them down. And I thought, well, no, I need to keep mine up. I want to be seen on that camera. So I just lifted mine up, quietly. Because there's a, uh, then there's a take and Mark's walking down with Harrison Ford and he see, he clocks what I've done so he gets past me and does this rude gesture behind me, behind his back to me. And I laughed so much that the visor fell down, chipped to the top of my nose. So I'm standing there, right, trying to be cool with the camera. There's a little drop of blood running down the face.
0: <laughs> Not very cool, eh? Not very cool. So basically what John's saying is that when Mark walked by and noticed that his visor was flipped up, Mark uh, flipped him the bird behind his back as they were walking down to get their medals from Leia. Now, whether, you know, the, the validity of a story like that, uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? It, I like to think it's true. You know, uh, at this point, I don't even care if these guys are hitting the convention circuit, sitting up there in panels and making up all of these stories. Just it's, it's pure fiction at this point, you know, add on to the legend. Why not? Why not? You that's know, who's right. going
5: to dispute you? Well, that's how history's made, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so, uh, bigs, dark lighter actor, Gary Kagan, he was expecting history to be made in an entirely different way. And, uh, um he tells the story about how he he was tipped off to the fact that big Darklighters lighters uh, scenes that were shot in Tunisia were going to be dropped from the film but he didn't really understand the significance of those cuts until he sat down and watched the film at the premiere or you know the screening they had for cast and crew there was really no premiere for star wars a new hope and so he tells his story about uh learning the bad news and just how it affected him.
8: They had the premiere for the actors or a showing for the cast and crew. And then I got oh, it was it was a big gap. I thought, oh dear me, that is hard to take. And and I was quite angry and hurt and everything else. But I saw and curiously enough, I saw Gary outside the film. Outside and we were two out of the cinema after the showing, pretty well at the same time, and I kind of I thought, oh, oh, I I started to say something and I pulled back. Thank God, I didn't get let my anger out. But um, subsequently, it's been Gary who I've I've become very friendly with, and uh, I like him very much. But at that time, it was hard to take day.
0: Yeah. He's talking about Gary Kurtz the producer mm. of course. And uh yeah, it was just, you know, it it, it seems like it, it scars him a little bit,
5: you know. Um, well, sure. I mean yeah. it, and not I'm sure at the time it was difficult, but then of course being part of something and knowing that you could have been even a, a you know, perhaps a larger part of it, um I'm sure it is I'm sure the whole thing is difficult to take, but I mean these guys have gone on and and made somewhat of a career out of out of out of being themselves out of being the guy that was cut from the movie or had a bit part in the movie i mean there's a there's a lot of you know it's star Wars is sort of i think the poster child for the expression there are no small parts you know as they say um However, John Chapman does say at one point in the documentary that
0: there is sort of this hierarchy, pecking order that goes on in that autograph hall that we don't really know about where some of the extras get looked down upon by some of the legitimate actors from the film, you know, the people whose faces are seen or who actually have dialogue or who have roles of substantial uh, uh, girth to them, you know, um, as opposed to a guy who, you know, you only see the back of his head in one scene and Mm -hmm. and that guy sitting there signing autographs next to Kenny Baker, Carrie Fisher, you know, or somebody like that. There is this, this sort of uh, prejudice that might go on amongst the acting community that are, you know, the, the signers, the, the the ones who are out there actively working on that uh, convention circuit. So, uh, Garrick Hagan, Biggs! <laughs> <laughs> had to do it. <laughs> had to. At
5: least he had that moment in the film, which is pretty good, but... Um, but, you know, he had a moment, uh, Jim, in a film, in the film, that that fans uh, for, for, for decades had been clamoring to see more of. He got his first sort of... Um, bow in or a, a more um, expanded role with the special edition. And then, you know, the, finally seeing the official release of those anchorhead scenes. Yeah. Uh, you know, through the, through, through the uh, bonus features and all of that. Yeah. So it's a, he,
0: it's a small consolation because what, what Gary Hagan basically is, he's, he's the Pete best of Star Wars. Now, Pete Best, of course, the original <laughs> Beatles drummer who got fired right before they skyrocketed to worldwide fame and fortune, and he uh, missed out on it by an eyelash because he was replaced by Ringo Starr. Well, Garrick Hagan, you know, he was ended up on the cutting room floor. So uh, sitting back, you know, knowing that you had contributed to something and your contributions were then thrown away, And then you see the massive success that that project then has, and you're just still living in anonymity. anonymity, anonymity. Now, on the other side of the coin, though, Anthony Forrest, you have Anthony Forrest. He was the sand trooper, and he was fixer. So along with the big scenes that that ended up on the cutting room floor, Anthony Forrest was also part of those scenes as Fixer, and he ended up on the cutting room floor as well. But you'll notice with Anthony, he has a more positive perspective of things. I sometimes
7: now think that maybe the fact that Fixer's not actually in the finished film, but we shot the sequences, and you can still see the footage, but he's not in the the film. It's become more of a notoriety than had he been in the film. He might have been completely forgotten. And also now people can see bits of it on YouTube and stuff like that, so that's kind of interesting.
5: So there you go. That, well, that's that's exactly what I was. Anthony's got the right perspective. Right. That's what I was trying to say is that you know, in a way, he has more notoriety by having had less. And as far as these other actors, you know, perhaps you know, with that are a little further up on the credits, you know, I the Star Wars fans we're we're completists. I mean, we. We knew for, as kids to collect all, you know, 70, whatever it was. And so whether you're an autograph collector or an action figure collector, you want to collect them all, even if it means that person who was in the dark corner of the cantina, you want that autograph for your collection. And so, you know, for some collectors, they're going to a convention specifically to see that one person who, you know, is, uh, you know, more obscure or what have you. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, someone, made a contribution no matter how large or small to something as great as star wars you know let them have their day in the sun because i think the demand is there just like you said jason it's all about demand and uh a guy who traditionally has always been in great demand at conventions is darth vader dave prowse is Darth Vader? as he always signs his
5: autographs? Now I wouldn't consider this guy a bit player. I not mean, at all. No, not at all. Um, it, you know, for him to be a, a part of this documentary that is featuring these these guys, it's just, it's an interesting choice. Interesting choice. So, what did uh, Dave had to say?
0: Well, the first revelation is. Dave's story about how James Earl Jones came to be the voice of Darth Vader for as many times as we've sat down and talked to Dave and for as many interviews and panels, convention panels, you name it, that I've seen and heard with Dave. I've never really heard him take this angle (laughs) as to why he didn't voice Darth Vader. Check it out and you be the judge as to whether or not you can consider this to be an accurate representation of historical fact.
2: But Everybody comes out and said, oh, well, it wasn't you that did the dialogue, was it? And I said, no, I did all the dialogue all the way through the movie. We used to say to George, you know, what are we going to do about the dialogue because everything I'm saying is coming through the mask and is no good for reproduction purposes, you know. And he used to say, well, you know, don't, don't worry about it. We're going to the sound studios and we record all your dialogue at the end of the movie. So I automatically assumed that it was me that was going to go into the sound studio to re-record all my dialogue. And then, of course, what happened was we finished the movie, they chased back to America because they couldn't get all the special effects that they wanted in the UK. And then when they were back in America, they suddenly obviously realized that they hadn't overdubbed, done the overdubbing, and it was much obviously cheaper then to employ any voiceover artist um, rather than fly me all the way over from London to Hollywood just to overdub half a dozen lines or whatever, however much I had. And unfortunately for me, um, they couldn't have picked a better actor to overdub my lines than James Earl Jones.
5: All right. Um, well, okay. I mean, there's truth in there.
0: But the there rationale... Is, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say he's twisting historical facts, but I think his rationale behind the historical occurrences is a bit askew. Because what he's saying is that they shot the film, the production crew came back to California, and someone said, oh, son of a... We didn't record Prouse's lines while we were there. I don't want to tell George who's going to... Does anybody know anyone who James Earl Jones? Call him up. No, wrong. It would have cost probably ten times the amount to hire James Earl Jones, even back in nineteen seventy-six, to record those lines than it would to fly Dave Prowse back and forth from London to. California five times. You know, I mean they could have right, flown him right. back and forth five times and it still would have been cheaper than what it was to hire James Earl Jones in nineteen seventy six to do the voiceover work. So no, that's wrong. Uh Dave was Dave was not told the full truth at the time.
5: Or he was and he has selective hearing. Then maybe you know Maybe uh, or he couldn't hear my performance will be so great, they'll have to leave the whole thing intact, you know? You never know. I mean, I, I, think, I think he does uh, drink his own Kool-Aid. A little bit, a little
0: bit, and that's caused yeah. a lot of friction between him and Lucasfilm, and he does talk a little bit about that
2: in Elstree 1976. They have a, um, a convention so once every couple of years, the, what they call a celebration convention. And um, unfortunately, I've been barred. <laughs> For some obscure reason. Um, yeah. So uh and also Disney Star Wars weekends. I've been barred from doing the Disney Star Wars weekend as well. So uh ask ask Mr. Lucas, yeah. But it's uh I've obviously upset him at some stage or other. And that's, uh and they just feel like I'm sort of persona non grata, those two shows. It's the only it's the only shows that I'm not there, I that I don't do.
5: Hmm. It, you know, it is a shame because I'll tell you, um I have I've had the absolute uh, pleasure honor of sitting at a table with Dave Prouse a couple of times and he's the one he, he's 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 one of the few that as I'm sitting there I just can't get it out of my head that this is actually the guy mm-hmm. this is actually the guy <laughs> that I've been watching all these years um So it's a real thrill to meet him. And if you have an opportunity to do so, I highly recommend it. Um, I don't know how active he is these days, uh, as I know that he's had some health issues um, and I think has uh, publicly come out and talked about he's having uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. One of the one of the two Um, he's fighting that battle. So um, anyway, it's it's but at the same time, Dave has always had. Sort of this uh, penchant for controversy, going back to, uh, you, know, his, the, you know, whether or not he actually spoiled what was it going to happen in Empire Strikes Back and all of that. So it's quite a drama, quite a drama. So it is available Amazon Prime. You can rent it for four ninety nine or buy it for twelve ninety nine. It sounds like um, for anybody listening to this show that it's worth us uh, taking a look at.
0: It is worth taking a look at, yeah, especially if you've been to those Star Wars celebrations. And, hey, lo and behold, we got another one on the horizon here in the States next year. So it could be a good primer for Star Wars Celebration Orlando 2017. Rebel Force
1: Radio, your source for the force.
0: All right, it's time to give away a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. You got it locked and loaded on Rebel Force Radio, the only place where you can get a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. Each and every week here at Rebel Force Radio Central, we're combing social media looking for you guys to give a shout-out to Little Debbie and us here at RFR. And we came across a tweet from Jimmy Edwards Jr. at Jimmy Edwards Jr. One. Jimmy tweeted a photo of his daughter watching The Force Awakens on the family TV. It's the scene where Poe Dameron is meeting up with Lor San Tekka. And adventure is about ready to ensue. And the caption reads, All we need is commentary with at Rebel Force Radio and at Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. Well, we gave you the commentary with Sam Whitwer a couple weeks ago, Jimmy Edwards Jr., Now we're giving you the Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. Yep, that's right. You're a big winner this week, Jimmy Edwards Jr. Congratulations. Get a hold of us. Show at rebelforceradio.com and let us know where we can send the Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. And I like Jimmy Edwards Jr. He is a good dad. He's raising his daughter on the wars, and that is always cool by us here at Rebel Force Radio. So for the next month, as we head into June and Father's Day, we want to see you guys posting up pictures of you and your kids sharing the wars. And be sure to add at Rebel Force Radio and at Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack and you can become eligible to win a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. So, Rebel Force Radio celebrating fathers, Star Wars dads all over the galaxy with Little Debbie. We're doing it each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio because, of course, Little Debbie is the official snack of fans across the galaxy.
2: I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news.
5: All right, well, it's official, at least as official as it's going to get for right now. I don't think we have anything, uh, certainly out of uh, Lucasfilm or uh, or Disney, but as we have been covering here on the program, the long race for the role of a lifetime, that is of young Han Solo, has finally been cast it is Alden Ehrenreich who uh, was last seen most recently seen in the uh, Cohen brothers film uh uh Hail I can C- never remember the name of the movie Hail Caesar Hail Caesar that's right I'm all caught up in this Warren Beatty movie where he's playing Howard Hughes anyway uh but Ehrenreich is uh, has a role in that starring opposite Warren Beatty uh and that's finally coming out but uh, 2,500 actors since the fall, Jim, were uh, seen and screened for this. It came down to just a few, including Miles Teller, Ansel Elgort, uh, Emery Cohen, Aaron Reich, uh, uh, Jack Rayner, as well as um, uh, Egerton. Joel, uh, Joel Egerton, I believe it was, from The Kingsman. And uh, is Tarrant, a, Tarrant, Edgerton,
0: Tarrant, yeah. I, not Joel. What, who am I thinking of? Joel, Joel? Er, Joel Edgerton was uh, actually. Oh, uh, uh, Uncle Owen. Yes. <laughs> <On the tables. laughs> We're playing. Seven oh. degrees of seven degrees of
5: uh, Uncle Owen. Right. right. So, yeah, Tarrant Egerton of Kingsman. Um, so anyway, I guess um, he. Uh, well, Egerton dropped out. So, Egerton dropped out. He's got a couple of different franchises on the uh, horizon. The Kingsman, they're get, it's getting a sequel and perhaps uh, more films after that. Also, he's going to be doing a series of Robin Hood movies for Lionsgate. And Disney was like, I don't know if we want this guy who's already got, you know, a couple of different uh, franchises that he he's going to be uh, uh, working in. We might be third pick. Who knows? So, he's out. Alden Ehrenreich is in. And he comes highly... Recommended, apparently, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, who'd, who was actually the one who discovered uh, uh, this young man from a, what did we say, it was a bot mitzvah video or something like that? Yeah, was it, was it Coppola or was it Spielberg? We reported, uh, gosh, about a month ago. that I think Oh, it, it was Spielberg was... with the bot mitzvah. Yes. And then the first actor, or excuse me, the first big director he worked uh, with was, uh, was Coppola. Yeah, he worked with Coppola and Woody Allen. That's a pretty rough start. Wow. As a as a film actor, but anyway, uh, he's going to be doing it. Of course, the um, the film uh, is going to be directed by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and uh, comes out in what is that May of two thousand eighteen. So they talk to our, everyone. They, we they, have our young rogue. They talk to everyone. They, oh, they did twenty five hundred different actors. They were looking at unknowns. They were looking at knowns. Um, they even had me in there. Jimmy Mack in there
0: for? Yeah, what were you playing Han's dad? Well, see, that's the thing. I'm known for old Solo, so they they gave me a bunch of lines, and I was like, Han Solo, Captain William Falcon, Jewish as you're looking for, parachutes for all around system. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, could you give it a little more?" And I said, "All right, all right. Let me let me get. It. I I did my acting face and stuff." I said, "Yeah." Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, and I'm not in it for you, (laughs) princess. I'm not going to be well paid.
5: I'm in it for the money. (laughs) It's not like you're reading to yourself. Like you're (laughs) one of those old guys at McDonald's drinking the coffee in the morning, just mumbling and reading the newspaper. Maybe that's what Harrison Ford's doing these days. You've
0: never heard of the Millennium Falcon. It's the ship that made the Custle run in
2: less than 12 parsecs.
5: Uh, I think. I think Alden is probably in good good shape. I don't think they're going to be calling for a recount on the, the, those votes. Life but Kathleen up. Kennedy um, – life at a close ball. This kid uh, highly recommended from, you know, no big deal. Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola. So we'll see. We'll see how he does. Um, I mean, we haven't even seen uh, Rogue One yet. So, my goodness, uh, a little too soon to, to guess as to, you know, what we might be uh, experiencing with these movies um we know that they're definitely going for a, a variety of of tone feel this one is the comedy from what we understand with uh, miller and lord in there guys that wrote the lego movie um but i i i feel that that film uh shows a certain cleverness that you know the these guys definitely um are very very talented and um you know, I would expect. You know, Han always brought a lot of comedy, even in even in uh, episode seven. You know, there was a lot of great little lines, quips, and things, and looks. And he was uh, the character that gave us a lot of that. So, if you got a movie that's focusing on him, I would imagine it would be uh, somewhat of a of a comedy. I think more as in Jim, the the style of an Indiana Jones, where that's. You know, there's some great comedy in the in the Indiana Jones films, particularly uh, the uh, Last Crusade.
0: Absolutely, and another movie that some people kind of think is a knockoff of Indiana Jones is Romancing the Stone. Remember that one? Loved those movies and Jewel of the Nile. Right. And Romancing the Stone, yeah. Those movies had a lot of great action in it and kind of a roguish lead you know a la indiana jones but there was a lot of good comedy throughout i mean and i mean laugh out loud stuff and mm-hmm. uh you know stuff that was put in there purposely to be laughed at
5: and that's what i think we're going to be getting with this i think so too um so switching gears to the uh, the first star wars story uh mads mickelson who i just i love this guy he's La and uh casino royale and i just think it's so cool that he's gonna be a star wars movie but he might be he, he's got loose lips and he was uh, recently being interviewed by sky news and you know after that trailer we're trying to piece together who's who who's who and we don't see mads in the trailer if i recall no we don't we and do there not. might be a reason for that <laughs> but here's a clip of mads on uh sky news and you'd be the judge whether he spoke a little too much
3: Row 1, which is a Star Wars film that comes in between 7 and 8, and Doctor Strange starring Benedict Which we do first.
9: Let's do Star Wars first. Let's
3: do that one. And I can say absolutely nothing about it. I can, but then I have to kill you and all the audience.
8: I think it might be worth it.
3: Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
8: Go on, tell us a little
3: bit. Um, Jesus, tell us. It's the very first one. It's before anything you've ever seen in the Star Wars universe. And uh, <laughs> I guess we've that's got some a... clips as we're looking. Okay, let's have a look. Is that the one? Yeah, I rebel. Yes, that's It It's yes. pretty dramatic. It is very dramatic, Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, how I... did
7: you feel when you were approached?
3: Mm, a little scared. I mean, I wasn't really sure whether I was wearing a stormtrooper outfit or oh, anything it's... like that at that point. So okay. I, I, I wasn't sure I could fit into that. Uh, I read the script. It was very beautiful, and Felicitas playing this lovely young and strong woman I played her father and that's that was too much I'm sorry
4: everybody in the gallery just went (gasps) oh
8: you can tell us if Darth Vader's in it as well then
3: yes I can but I won't (laughs) Ah,
5: did you hear how the alarm went off just there's perfect timing in the trailer yeah they got the trailer played in the background and as soon as he says daughter you're
0: (laughs) And also, right away, he's like, and I said too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he realized. He, he, he knows realized his. He did. He's like the uh, Benicio del Toro of Rogue One, you know, with the with the loose lips. And Benicio has even started shooting yet. So, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but he's uh, or has he, or has he?
5: Well, or or has he? That's a that's a that's a great question. Mm. I, mean, um, I think he
0: has. <laughs> You know, we we're well on uh, um, you know probably toward the latter third of shooting for episode eight. I, I think they're probably in the home stretch right now.
5: Uh, you would think that they would uh, they'd almost have to be. Yeah. yeah, Um But uh, Felicity Jones' character—that's obviously who he was referring to, a uh, Jin Urso—and uh, he says, "Oh, uh, isn't she wonderful?" Blah 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 blah. I play her father, and then. <laughs> he realized that maybe he's saying too much. You yeah. know, lineage and parentage in Star Wars is a big deal. Yes, it's a big deal. And then he's—I so got—I got a spoiler. I don't know if you know this, but um, yeah. <laughs> Klee Lars is Owen Lars' father. That's—I'm going out there and just telling you, letting you know. Uh, you shouldn't have said that. Now you're making Mads cry. he's he's, he's crying blood? He, tears of blood. <laughs> yeah, it's like in Casino Royale. No, but the point is, it doesn't always have to mean something. That's what I'm saying. Just because we know that he's her dad, we you know, we don't need to know. You know, it may not be a big deal, but everything's a big deal when it comes to Star Wars, and uh, any kind of you know plot point or or what have you. But um, Mads Mads misspeaks a few times in the interview. He claims that Rogue One at first it happens between seven and eight. Mm-hmm which is not true. We know what happens uh, between episodes three and episodes four. Yeah,
0: from a certain certain
5: point of view, though, it is being released between seven and eight. Oh, you know, I didn't even think of that. Mm. You're right. You're right. That might be what he's referring to. He also says it's the first time you've ever seen anything in Star Wars. Mm. That's wrong. It doesn't certainly predate the events of episode one. So, uh, but, you know, uh, what are you going to do? But I think you're probably right. I think he was talking about you know in terms of production and release schedule. Um, you no, know, I've I I'm looking here. I happen to be on uh, Wikipedia. Good friends of ours. We love the guys at Wikipedia, and um, they've got a, a a teaser poster. Was this, when was this released? Oh my God! Well, I'm not looking at. Wh- <laughs> Wikipedia right now, so I can't answer your question. But do you recall um, a, a teaser poster coming out? Uh, what I'm looking at is there's a tagline. It says "A Rebellion Built on Hope," and that has the Rogue One logo, a Star Wars story, and it just says December.
0: Oh, the the new um, yeah, that's a theatrical poster that just started popping up in theaters. Um, I think on Friday because of the fact oh, okay. that the Rogue One trailer has now been released. In theaters, and it was... It's in theaters now. It was was definitely uh, tacked on to the beginning of most screenings of the new Captain America flick, Civil War. So Uh with that now, people are spotting in their multiplexes Rogue One posters, and that's the one you're describing, Jason. I like that tag,
5: a rebellion built on hope. That's nice. I love that. Built on a new hope. A new hope. Uh, So anyway, there's Mads Mikkelsen, probably... um, Either he, either we'll hear a lot more from Mads, or we'll never see him again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have the feeling that's what's happened to our pal Benicio. Right. Nothing from that guy, have we?
0: <laughs> well, you know, he's not out promoting a film right now. Uh, when he gets out there, he's, uh, who knows what
5: comes out of his mouth. But I think he's been on set, so he's been working. Now, I do want to mention because uh, I know a lot of folks listening to the show, they're going to say, are they going to talk about the episode eight photos that have shown up? And there's there's been a a, a string of episode eight photos. Uh, Ryan Johnson's Tumblr uh, had a few. Um, And then there were also some at uh, at at making Star Wars. And it's hard. You know, this is an audio program. So, you know, hearing guys talk about photos is a little, you know isn't, isn't the most, uh, effective way to do it when you're, you know, you're, you're just dealing with audio. Um, but, uh, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. One was, and you know, the internet is buzzing star Wars fans talking about this tree that they're seeing, uh, that looks to be part of the set for, uh, the, the Jedi temple or where we last see Ray and Luke, um, that there's some sort of tree that is reminiscent of the tree on on Dagobah. That could be a Force tree. There are folks that are looking at um, some clips from the, the the Clone Wars, where there's a similar tree. Um, Jim, what do you think? Is this just a nice looking prop, or do you think that this is? More there's more something more significant. Yeah, to this I, tree,
0: I, people are saying. Absolutely, I think there's there's much more significance to it. Hey, remember at the end of that uh, Shattered Empire comic book, there was a a little seedling of some sort that was supposed to have some sort of significance. You know. Mm, hmm. Yeah, I'd have to go back and reread that. I suddenly just thought of that one. But yeah, the the tree. Of course, we have a history. With creepy trees in Star Wars, you know, there's the tree cave on Dagobah. Could there be something about these trees that create a nexus to the Force or with the Force? And are we going to be experiencing maybe a Force vision a la the Dagobah tree cave? Who knows? Uh, It it sure looks creepy. Well, Uh, you don't need to have a tree to have a Force vision. Just ask Ray. Yeah, um but this could be some sort of siphon, some force uh antenna even. Um it, it clearly looks like it is supposed to be placed at that first Jedi temple on Octu. Uh the, mm-hmm. the the set looks very much like What's the s- name of the planet? S- it's s- Octu. Octu. Octu.
5: A C H hyphen T O. Okay. Octu. Like um, act, like Act Two, I wonder if there's.
0: Uh, oh my God!
5: Significance that. Well, we're we're rolling now. Um, <laughs> act Two, we've cracked the code. We, <laughs> we have well, hey, the you know, from the man who brought you Dark Father, we have Act Two. Act Two. Uh, I shouldn't say from the man from the story, um, but great to see the Falcon there. That that enormous, life-size Falcon. Um, looking beautiful there and the this reproduction of uh Skellig Michael in the steps. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that they took Jim the 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 um the effort to recreate all of that leads me to believe that this is going to be a setting that they're going to be using quite a bit. You think we'll be seeing a lot of Ray and Luke's time there on Octu? Right, oh, that's
0: a good question. Um obviously, yeah, I expect the first third of the film to be primarily based at octu uh for those those characters mm-hmm. you know ray doesn't just show up at the jedi temple and luke says well let's go on an adventure you got the falcon <laughs> i know what that means <laughs> let's go um right and Chewie's there and r2's there so uh interesting I, you know how long are, would a Chewie want to stay there um, I forgot about chewie's yeah, yeah. there. You're right. It's really easy to What's forget. What's Chewie gonna do? What has he been doing? She went up those steps three weeks ago. I, we have,
5: <laughs> you know, R two can't go up the steps, and Chewie doesn't want to. Right, so, right. I mean, if this was one of the Lego stories, Chewie would be wearing, you know, a, a Hawaiian shirt and sipping a pina colada and on a lawn chair. Uh, I, I accept that,
0: and I accept that. <laughs> As canon. I did ask Leland <laughs> Chi about the Legos for you. and
5: uh, Oh, that's great.
0: You know, he says
5: it's its own canon, which is... It's Lego canon. It's, it's Lego, Lego canon. Can. What do you make of this structure, Jim? I don't know if you're, you're looking at the photos. It almost looks like an amphitheater. I am. Uh, yeah, it does. It looks like something you would see a
0: bunch of cast members at uh, Disney World jump up on and start doing the uh, Jedi Training Academy up there. <laughs> yeah, right. It could be, uh, yeah, like an amphitheater of some sort, and it looks very earthly. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks like uh, you could go see a music festival there or something. Um, I don't know. And, and the other thing is it looks like in proximity to the Octu set, it, it looks like it's right next to it. But I right. don't. I don't think we're to assume that this is octu Two. Um, the background with the the woodlands and the trees and everything. I don't know how much that'll come into play in the, the film. I just think it's an outdoor shooting location. But right. um, but yeah, and it doesn't look very Star Warsy. I, I will say that.
5: It, <laughs> it, no, it it looks. Um, you know, I, I gosh, I'm thinking of. Sort of how the, the opera house in episode three. Um I would say if it if it it looks more prequely than it does uh you know, this sort of OT used universe vibe um just for me. But who knows what it who who knows what it is? Mm-hmm. Um maybe that's just where the crew hangs out. I don't know. Not like now now Ryan Johnson's photos. Few things that we see. Um, now he's released these from the set of Episode Eight, and uh, he's got a Tumblr blog you can uh, find and and, and follow. Uh, there, all the photos that he's posted are black and white, which gives it sort of kind of this timeless uh, vibe to to everything. The only thing that we really see, we do see him, um, or we we see a, a an, an X Wing um, fuselage with a with a, uh, a a pilot in the cockpit, I don't know if we can actually tell whose x wing that is i don't believe so um we also see um what looks to be a an imperial uh inside i'm guessing an imperial who's uh, kind of standing there with in front of a display of some sort he looks like uh, perhaps a a a death star gunner a little bit with that kind of funky shaped helmet yeah um
0: we saw that helmet in The Force Awakens.
5: Definitely First Order. Um, yeah,
0: but I I don't know. Did I
5: say Imperial? You did. Oh, see, old habits, man. Old habits. Old. The dogs. Empire is dead. Wait, wait, well, there's no Empire. It's 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 the First Order. They're they're politically neutral, right? Now they just want to bring order back to the galaxy.
0: That's all they want to do. Um, now, uh, uh, according to the uh, the Force Awakens visual dictionary, I'm looking at uh, some of the, the First Order fleet crew, and that helmet appears to be the helmet to a First Order fleet engineer, which can be seen on page 42 of the visual dictionary. But we're only seeing the back of the helmet, so I can't really confirm that's who it is, but it does sort of taper out at the bottom and or it looks like a top, more or less. Mm. Uh, strange, strange-looking design. Would make a cool action figure if Hasbro could ever get their act together and actually put something on the shelves. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, but that readout, of course, that they're in front of, is is looks like it just came right out of A New Hope, um, that display terminal oh, yeah. that they're looking at. Is yeah, just...
0: looks lo- looks like something, like a control room right out of the Death Star, as you said. Yeah. Very authentic. Very, uh, very in in tune with the set design we saw in The Force Awakens as well.
5: Now there is some confirmation here that we will be seeing Maz Kanata again. Uh, we see what we, we can assume is maybe uh, Lupita Nyong'o um, doing some uh, some work, and the way they've had it, Jim. If you watch the, um, of course, I'm sure you've seen all of the the. the The uh, bonus materials on the Force Awakens disc is that uh, for these stop motion actors, they not stop motion, excuse me, motion capture actors. They have the ability to see kind of a crude rendering of their character in real time as they're as they're operating them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I, I would never leave the monitor
0: if I was – I would just be
5: <laughs> always be my character. Just staring at this monitor. So there's a, a performer. I don't know if it's Lupita, but somebody who's performing in front of a, a big screen, and uh, we're seeing uh, the face and the unmistakable glasses of Maz Kanata. So, uh, again, all these photos are available at Ryan Johnson's blog. It's rcjohnso.tumblr.com. So I
0: guess that's confirmation then that we definitely will be seeing Maz Kanata in Star Wars Episode Eight.
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there's Maz Kanata now has uh, officially become a three and three quarter inch action figure. So she is uh, officially that's that's sort of the induction. You're really you're a real Star Wars character when you get that. Uh, and uh, not just that, but uh, when Big Steve writes a song about you, you know. You're a real Star Wars character, and we've got to hear Steve, our good pal, uh, wrote a song about Maz Kanata and, you know, the the, the the smooth tenor of Big Steve. So you want to hear it? I'd love to hear it. This
0: is a parody of Brooks and Dunn's My Maria, done the way only Steve can do it. I have not heard this yet. We're all going to listen to it together. The world premiere of Steve Glossin's Maz Kanata on Rebel Force Radio.
6: Mascanada, don't you know I've come a long, long way. I escaped from some rap cars with a guy named Ben and a girl named Ray. Mascanada, you wear big goggles on your eyes. I can't freak out when you make them adjust their size. Gonna oh, You've seen some blue and sorrow time, you've got a bar for freaks and weirdos of all kinds, got a lady. You've got a thing for Big Chewy, you've got Luke's blue laser, sword, he lost at cloud city knows the force is strong inside of a ray. First order came and blew Is. <laughs> lady, lady, girl, lady. That's what we call freestyling.
5: <laughs> oh, Big Steve oh. with Maz Kanata. <laughs> Take off of Brooks and Dunn's "My Maria." My goodness. Oh boy, like like Tennessee Honey, that that that
10: sweet <laughs> tenor voice of uh, Big Steve.
5: Borderline yodeling. I don't
0: know if you can hear. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear this, Jason, but my dog is barking and all of the uh, burglar alarms are going off in the cars in my neighborhood right now. It's really (laughs) amazing that Big Steve can hit those high notes like he can, but that was a work of genius. Amazing stuff. The world premiere of Maz Kanata from Steve Gloss. And Steve, of course, is going to be joining us in Orlando next month on uh, June 10th at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios for the RFR listener Meet and Greet And then the following day at the Hilton Orlando Lake Buena Vista Resort for Rebel Force Radio Live in Orlando. Uh, Tickets are going fast. We only have a few left. We had to release an additional block, but we're starting to run out of space. So if you're thinking about joining us, go over to rebelforceradio.com and uh, look for the link there in the news section on our front page. And you'll uh, be able to uh, find uh, the the link to click on to buy tickets for this amazing event. I'll be there. Swank will be there. David W. Collins will have members of the 501st. And uh, of course, Steve Glosson will be there in person to uh, yodel in your
5: ear if you're lucky enough. Hey, uh, by the way, while we're on the topic of Orlando.
6: Celebrate
4: good times, come on.
5: The dates are set, and all eyes are on April 13th through the 16th, 2017, the Orange County Convention Center for Star Wars Celebration 2017. Tickets going on sale here at the uh, end of the month on Wednesday, May 25th, at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, at StarWarsCelebration.com. The news broke on Star Wars.com with Kathleen Kennedy saying Star Wars Celebration has always been about the fans. It allows Lucasfilm to connect directly with the thousands of fans who have given their dedication and support the world of Star Wars over the years and is the perfect opportunity for us to give something back. So guests and an, an event announcements for Star Wars Celebration 2017 will begin at StarWarsCelebration.com. And uh, you can catch all the action there and at StarWars.com. So, Jim, another reason to go to Florida, as if we needed it, Star Wars Celebration 2017. Yes, we'll be there. We will be
0: back at Star Wars Celebration. And uh, we've already had early meetings about our uh, opening night uh kickoff event so uh, you'll definitely want to be listening to Rebel Force Radio in the months leading up to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim and of course we will have uh, full reports and coverage from Star Wars Celebration Europe too as we will have uh, correspondence at that event as well but unfortunately Jason and myself will not be at the Celebration event this summer but you can definitely find us in Orlando next April 2017 Star Wars Celebration, back in Orlando. Cannot wait.
4: May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.
0: You know it, you love it. From Tops comes the digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade over 1,000 officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all-new cards with exciting digital twists. And of course, you can find exclusive content from the all-time. U.S. box office champ, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play. And of course, we're using the Star Wars Card Trader app here at Rebel Force Radio. You can always trade with us here 24-7, 365 days a year. Just search username Rebel Force Radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the top's Star Wars Car Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. Play 5
5: One other thing I did want to mention is in uh, Jim, I'm sure you guys spoke about this on Star Wars Oxygen. I don't know if this news broke, and I don't really know how much this is news, but uh, John Williams, uh, who does really most of his talking on stage in between uh, songs uh, pieces that he's conducting. If you notice this? Every time we have, you know, John Williams news, it's always he just turns to the audience, talks into the microphone, says something, and that becomes news. Right. As he's doing these gigs. Um, So he was playing a gig um, in Philadelphia. He opened the show talking about Star Wars in Episode 8. He said, "According, this is according to JWFan.com, John Williams fan. He says, I told the producers I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the next one referring to Episode eight, but told them I didn't want anyone else doing it either. <laughs> so that's a very John Williams-type uh, quote there, and of course got a big laugh, and uh, he went into um, a piece from the, the Force Awakens soundtrack. Uh, do what do, you, what do you and David, what do you guys make of this, and do you think that this is him kind of laying the groundwork, or was he just making a joke and we're just reading too much into it?
0: Well, we definitely... Understand that the way his involvement currently with Star Wars is, is being reported is more sort of film to film. Mm. When the news first broke, we think Kathleen Kennedy sort of alluded to the fact that Williams was going to be doing the full trilogy. But that remains undecided right now. And uh, yeah. I, I think John is just waiting to see uh, how he feels physically, uh, where he is and you know, his life at that point in time. We're going to be talking about a guy who's in his mid-80s, um, but he's still active and he's still mm-hmm. creative. He's still creating. So I think he is going to be around for episode eight. I think that, you know, in the latter part of next year, we'll, we'll be hearing about him. On the soundstage recording the score with what You think he's got
5: another one in the tank? I think he does, and I think right. he will.
0: And, I yeah, I think he'll be determined to. But I think he's just afraid to commit right now. I mean, due to his advanced age, of course. But it's so refreshing to see he's out there, he's working, he's creating, and he'll be available if he's available.
5: Right. Right. All right. One more story uh, before we uh, wrap this up. Uh, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor's been, uh, gosh, it it seems like we've been talking about this for a a good while um, about the possibility of coming back to the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi, doing one film, sometimes even the the topic of a whole trilogy uh, devoted to what's going on with Obi-Wan as he is uh, there on Tatooine waiting for Luke to grow up. And uh, like like this clip here, this is uh, Ewan McGregor just last month. Uh, on colliders, you know, saying things like this as he's going around and promoting his uh, current films.
3: I'd very much like to do one too. I think the story between episode three and episode four, I think there's a story there. What I think that that's the Obi Wan Kenobi movie, if there is one,
7: is after um, sort of the the one that bridges my my Obi Wan Kenobi and Alec Guinness's Obi Wan Kenobi, and because
1: um, there's what, 20 years, I don't know how long he's in the desert there, but it's got to be
3: 20
0: or 30 years. Well, have you had the conversations? Um, I'm not sure that I'm at liberty to say, really. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm really, I think that I, I'm
5: very interested in doing that. That would be great.
7: Sure. A lot of people also wanted to know. Um... Maybe, maybe there's even a trilogy.
5: Ah, so he's. this sounds like a guy who, A, I think, has actually talked to people. Or there's been some, you know, poking around, and B is really enthusiastic about doing it. If he's jumping into, I think it was a trilogy, you know, give me three movies, I want to do this. Well, uh, according to the folks at Collider, uh, they have a, an interview with Ewan McGregor, and the question was posed to him: You recently spoke to my boss Steve Weintraub, and he asked you about Solo Obi wan films, and that interview seemed to spread across the internet. Have you gotten any reaction? from Lucasfilm about that. And McGregor says, no, I just get asked about it all the time. People think that I'm campaigning to get a spinoff film, and I could care less. I said I would do it. If they asked me to, I would be happy to, but it looks like I am campaigning for it just because I get asked about it all the time, so I would like it to be known that I don't bring it up. At these interviews on my own free wi- wi- of my own free will, I only respond to questions I'm asked to. I don't know anything about it. They've never approached me about it. Um, sounds like either he's getting tired of being asked the question, Jim, or you know, maybe something fell through. He's salty about it, uh, or it just you just take it at face value. And yes, of course, you're you and McGregor, and you're being interviewed about some movie that you know probably most people aren't going to see. And there, this is in sort of this incredible Star Wars Renaissance. This period of time, there's all this possibility about what we could be seeing on the big screen as far as Star Wars goes. And they ask the question. And, you know, it sounds like he's campaigning for it. I kind of feel for the guy in a way because you don't want to come. It's, it's like he doesn't want to be seen as being pathetic or, you know, begging for something. Right. Um, and he is legitimately answering questions from interviewers. What's your take on this? Yeah, Well, he, he is saying
0: he, he'd be happy to do it. But he doesn't want to be the poster boy for Fan Demand. For a Kenobi trilogy. He's, right. He's, right. There you go. That's exactly right. He certainly has planted the seeds. And he has to be raising eyebrows in Hollywood, at Disney, at Lucasfilm. Because of the fact that he seems gung-ho for it. But if they never make it, and it does look like he's campaigning to get it done. Then he looks like a failure. Hollywood is all about Clout. And if Ewan is going on the record saying he wants to do a Kenobi movie, there are some who think that, you know, alarms should be sounded and writers should be coming down the fire pole and everyone should be jumping <laughs> in action. You know, it should instantly go into pre production. But things that's like, kind of how I feel. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> I'd well, like to you see know this. ideally, I think I would certainly like to see it too. Ewan McGregor is definitely someone who was. I think his acting and his grasp of his character was uh, one of the finer points of the prequels. I think he really was able to take a role made famous by Alec Guinness and take it and turn it into something that he can proudly say is his own while still being reverent to the performance by Sir Alec in A New Hope. So... That's what it comes down to, though, is it does look like Ewan is campaigning. That's the word that he uses, that he's campaigning to get the spinoff film. And um, basically, at the end of the day, it's, it's a job he would be happy to do, but it wouldn't make or break him either way. And he wants that to be known. Because, like I said, if it, if it does look like he's campaigning for it and the film doesn't get made, that's a blow to his clout. That's a blow to his ego. And it would be looked at as a
5: a failure for him. And he hasn't even done
0: anything. He's just being asked these questions. So, yeah, he's a little tired of it.
5: He's probably thinking, you know, God, I could be the Iron Man of these Star Wars spinoffs. Yeah. In a sense. I mean, he's probably his character is certainly one of the most in demand, um, you know, to see a full story. Film story devoted to, to, to him. So, anyway, interesting stuff. So, uh, those of you who are out on the circuit, uh, stop asking you about the Obi Wan Kenobi project because, uh, according to him, there ain't one. He's not He's campaigning. Not He's not campaigning. He's not campaigning. I'm not running for president, <laughs> said Ross Perot. Uh, all right. Hey, we've got some uh, special guests coming up here on the program, uh, and I want to tell you a little bit about them. It's Zebra Imaging. I don't know if you heard about these guys, but they are the creators of the most advanced and innovative digital holographs in the universe. Uh, you're going to be hearing more from them in just a few minutes, but they're bringing this technology from a galaxy far, far away home to fans. So they're this technology that has allowed them to do – These incredible holographs they're bringing to Star Wars fans with the 3D holograms, Zebra's Star Wars 3D holograms. These are three dimensional collectibles uh, featuring characters and moments from the entire Star Wars saga, including the Death Star Trench Run Battle, Kylo Ren, Han Solo and Carbonite, R2-D2, more coming soon. Check them out. I want you to go to our website, rebelforceradio.com, and click on the Zebra Star Wars 3D Holograms banner. You'll see that in the lower right, and it'll take you right to their website where you can order any of these incredible uh, Star Wars holograms. And I have one, I'll tell you. And I have the Kylo Ren one, and it is amazing. It's such a great conversation piece. It goes perfect with uh, wherever you keep your Star Wars collection. I actually had mine uh, in, in my living room. On the uh, on the hearth of the fireplace for a good while. <laughs> Classic. Uh, yeah, it was it was just great. And they're hard. It's one of those things. You know, again, some of sometimes you you run up against these limitations of uh, of audio. It's one of those things you just have to see it. It's very hard to explain. Um, but once you see it, we know that you're going to uh, want to have one of these. So once again, go to our website, rebelforceradio.com, and click on the Zebra Star Wars 3D Holograms banner. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by. Uh, two folks that work for Zebra Imaging. From Zebra Imaging, we are joined now by Eric Doan. He's the uh, product marketing manager, marketing guy after my own heart. And Ariel James, the graphic uh, member of the graphic art team. Welcome both of you to Rebel Force Radio. Hey guys, thanks for having us. Ariel, you you use R2 as your avatar, your Skype avatar. Are you a I big do. Are you a big R2 fan, I take it?
10: Yes,
9: I uh I should probably change it to just be my R2D2 tattoo. I think that would be even better. Oh
5: man, you talk about credibility. Now you just <laughs> shot right up there. You have <laughs> right, you have see. literally bled for Star Wars.
10: Yeah. yeah. She gets uh she she gets a lot of attention at at the Comic-Cons with her with her R2 tattoo. I'm sure. Where is it, if I may ask?
9: On my shoulder. Oh, okay.
10: All yeah. right. Shows off the guns.
5: Full R two or just the dome? Full. All right. All right. Well, we're going to dig a little deeper. What? What? What era of R two?
9: <laughs> it is. Um,
5: what was your reference photo that you used?
9: Uh, New Hope. Ah. Uh, but, but he. It does have all three legs.
5: Okay. This is uh, this is very exciting. You know, I was just on the website. And I got to say, it, it looks like this is quite an unusual project for you guys. This is not necessarily what, what Zebra was founded to do. So how do you decide
0: which character or which scene you're going to choose?
9: That comes from our consumers, our customers. Uh, they, they're they the ones we do uh, emails and various things. Um, and then at the cons, we also get um, everybody's feedback Uh if if they're interested, but maybe we don't have the character they want or uh, love it, buy it. And what would you buy also? Uh, what do you want next?
0: So, Eric, how does that all work with you guys? Um, you obviously have to narrow it down to be able to put the polls up on, on the website and out at the cons. Do you guys just like sit around a table
10: or something and look at a bunch of pictures? Or do you have well, wish lists We have wishlists. One of the first things we did when we first started developing the first series that that is out, and that's the Kylo Ren, the Death Star Battle, the R2 D2, Han Solo, and the fifth one that's coming out is, we can't say yet, but it's similar to an R2 D2, if that makes any sense. Um, (laughs) But what what we do is we actually had some focus groups so we brought in you know members of the community members of the 501st uh which ariel is a member of as well and uh you know we sat down with the fans to really you know understand who those popular who those popular you know characters were what scenes they wanted to see and you're absolutely right everybody's got a favorite character everybody has a favorite scene so it's really hard for us to narrow down um from a marketing perspective then what we do is we also look what's in the market we look what's uh selling what other what other people are are purchasing whether it's t-shirts art uh you know characters statues uh you know we go off of of what the market is demanding and so uh, you'll see on our website holograms at zebraimaging.com that we have a current poll up right now for some of the holograms that folks want to see in the second series that we're going to produce uh, sometime later this year so you're giving
0: the fans what they want and Ariel so that didn't get by me speaking of being a fan Eric just revealed he outed you you're a member of the
9: 501st that is I correct I'm
0: sorry <laughs> no that's good though <laughs> that's awesome so um, what do you uh, what do you suit up as
9: I am a uh, stunt TK
0: a stunt TK what does that mean
9: uh, it's just the typical TK you see from the New Hope. Okay, all right.
5: Well, you have troopers now, now. Why would you say what, what makes it a stunt TK?
9: Um, well, the other one, uh, New Hope. There's also the hero ones, which are slightly different. The ones that um, Luke and Han are in have slight differences in the belt.
5: In the belt. Okay, <laughs> so the, so so it's about whether or not it was a a a, a costume that was made for a close up. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So like, like a prop stunt prop versus hero prop. Well, I don't think I'd be able to tell the difference.
0: So what, you said it's the (laughs) belt. What, what should we look for on the belt? So this, so Um, we can go to conventions. Oh, oh, the hook. So like a, like a pouch or something for the hook.
9: I'm not actually sure how I, if it's just like there, uh again I'm I'm the stunt so I don't You're have You're the stunt it. you don't have
5: the grab I'm not going to be <laughs> hugging you and flying across any chasms apparently
9: <laughs> No I'd probably drop you anyway so <laughs>
5: <laughs> like a bad habit I don't blame you <laughs> <laughs> So so Ariel what what came first you uh, being a Star Wars fan and going to work for for Zebra and and working on this incredible line of holograms or you were already there and they came to you and they said hey we've got really exciting news.
9: I was actually part of one of the initial focus groups. Nope. And I talked to uh, one of the engineers and trying to get like, this is really cool. How do you guys do this? And then I was like, holy crap, I can do this. Um, mm. Please hire me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow.
9: I would love to do this.
0: So this, you just hooked up like at a convention or something.
9: Um, wow. No, I was actually a part of a, uh, Star Wars group, um, Lone Star Saber Academy, uh, here. And they uh, Zebra invited out that group and then also the 501st as a oh. separate group. Um, so they, they reached out specifically to Star Wars fans for the um, focus groups.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And, and Zebra reached out to us, too. So I like that, Eric, that you guys are really going after the fan community and, and, like I said before, giving fans what they want.
10: The reason we did it is, this is something unlike I've ever seen in any other business, is that the Star Wars community is very, very close, very tight knit. I mean, you guys had Steve on last week, and uh, everybody knows everybody, and so we're not going to come in here acting like we know everything. Uh, you know, you guys are the fans. You guys are the ones who have built this community, and we're not going to go tell you guys you know what what to do and you know how we know better we know that you guys are the only reason that this happens so we want to make sure we're building a product that the fans in the community want so that's exactly why we reach out excellent
0: excellent and we were talking a little bit about ariel's tattoo so- <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just get into it now
5: and jason you put let's it expose best. every little cd detail i, I want you, i want to hear all about it
9: um i grew up with star wars so i had no doubt that i would grow up and get a star wars tattoo r2d2 has always been one of my favorite characters i just didn't realize i would be getting the tattoo when i had a job working with star wars which was awesome <laughs>
5: What, what is it about, you know, everybody, R2's obviously a very beloved character, but what is it about R2 that just resonated with you when you grew up loving that character so much that he you were going to make him a permanent part of your body? <laughs> <laughs>
9: um, he is just the perfect character. I mean, he is the hero of Star Wars. Without him... No one would have even made it past Tatooine. Like this he's is a true. Hero.
5: This is true. And you know, I mean, George Lucas has said, you know, famously throughout the years that it's it's R two and three PO's story, and that R two George even went, I think, so far as to say was the smartest character that uh, in the Star Wars universe. You know, we talk about him as the Swiss Army knife. He's always got a solution. Um, so you said it's full bodied. Uh, what era? Of R two,
9: yeah, it's the uh, from New Hope, uh, and it's uh, and he does have all three legs,
5: all three legs, and he's not flying through the air with like you know uh, flames coming out of his feet.
9: <laughs> no, oh, okay. I decided to not go with the uh, the, the jetpack. Uh,
5: yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of speaking of prequels, Eric, uh, we haven't seen anything from the prequels yet uh, coming out of uh, Zebra. Is that something that you're you're looking at? I, I think of several characters from the uh, episodes one, two, and three that would make uh, great uh, candidates for holograms.
10: You do? Can you give me a couple ideas and what you think would be great? We may make them. Well,
5: you know, I mean, uh, you, you you really only see. Darth Sidious as a hologram for most of those movies so Darth Sidious you know saying to wipe out all of the Naboo in the Gungans would be a good one um, yeah. and there's a certain uh, horned figure that my son would just dearly love to have uh, in his room does he come in red and black? he does
10: <laughs> as a matter of fact we, uh, yes uh, so, so yes to answer your question we've definitely thought about the prequel movies um uh, again uh kind of back to my previous statement it's really what the fans want to see and we have uh, at a lot of events a lot of the cons that we've gone to have had a lot of requests for darth maul
4: better them than me
10: <laughs> <laughs>
5: what? <laughs> what was that, that was sorry great. about that. <laughs> did that it was great <laughs> That was great. You that? Was that a little Homer Simpson cameo?
9: That was. Perfect. Yeah, I uh, use this Kindle mainly for playing games, not for doing work-related stuff.
10: I that, guess not. That, <laughs> that was perfect timing.
9: You know, right. If you see that
5: Kindle around, you know she's not working. Oh my God. No, not
0: at all. That that was per, that. You're the first guest that's actually brought their own audio clips to
5: the show. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy doesn't even have to lay those in. Yeah. All right, so, um, so guys, are you uh, you got anything coming up in terms of uh, appearances where those that are listening might be able to catch you at a booth or you know something and bend your ear on what they
10: might like? Yeah, we we do. We're actually going to be in the next two weeks. We're going to be down in Orlando for the MegaCon convention. Uh, that's. May the twenty sixth through the twenty ninth, you can actually catch Ariel there. She'll be there on site, showing showing the product. You can talk to her about the R two tattoo, or you know <laughs> the sound effects she likes on her Kindle, or just you know how what it takes to create a hologram. And then uh, I'll actually be at the Dallas Fan Expo. Uh, June third through the fifth, which is the following week, and we'll have the same setup there. We'll have our holograms. We'll be selling them on sale, or we're we actually have a special um, event pricing there as well. Uh, we're going to be selling the hologram bundles for uh, one seventy-five, and the holograms for seventy-five, which is roughly a fifty-dollar discount from our normal price. And uh, after that, we potentially may be at. Uh, san diego comic-con the comic-con um and then a- after that we have a couple other events sprinkled out throughout the year you can you can check out our event page at holograms.zebraimaging.com to see where we'll be and i
5: want to say one really cool thing of, uh, and there's a lot of great things we could say about the product but one thing as a collector that i really love as a collector you you have challenges sometimes uh of how to display your pieces in your collection and, you know, I, you know, guys get – and collectors, they get all kinds of lighting and things, and they're clipping onto their shelves. They're trying to light things just right. You guys have a, a collectible and a lighting rig and a display stand and everything all in
10: one. We do. I didn't get to ask you this yet, but did you figure out the uh, the special feature we put in the product? The special feature? Hmm. There's a lot special about it. I don't know. If that... <laughs> There's something so we... uh, if you take your hand and you wave it over the button to turn the light on, you can actually use the force to turn the light on and off. Oh, see, I thought I was using the force. <laughs> he
5: thought, this, he
0: thought <laughs> you, he you to... mean that's
10: a gimmick?
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about because I mentioned my son earlier, and, yeah, he's the one that discovered that, not me. So that, that that's very very cool. Yeah, yeah right. His Beclorian count must be high. It is really a it is really a, a great and fun uh product and uh a real I mean it's unlike anything else I've I've ever seen. It's just uh really really great. So thank you guys so much for your support of the show uh as well as uh Eric your support of the Star Wars fan community and and hiring poor Ariel from uh, 501st and making her dream come true.
9: 501st doesn't
5: pay really well. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does podcasting.
10: <laughs> we are very lucky to have Ariel.
5: Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It's obvious. All right, guys. Well, maybe we'll uh, be able to catch up with you again sometime soon. You, get, you roll out some new things. We've got, of course, Star Wars Celebration in Europe uh, coming up, as well as the big announcement that we'll be back in Orlando next year. So I'm sure we'll be crossing paths again soon.
10: Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'd love to be back whenever you want us on.
5: All right. Thanks so much. Stay warm Thank in Texas. You. Oh,
10: easily. <laughs> All right.
5: Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Well, that's going to wrap things up here for this week's show. Big thanks to our sponsors including our new friends at Zebra Imaging. You really got to see these to believe them. Please check out the website go to RebelForceRadio.com and click on the banner. Uh, also Little Debbie Snack Cakes, Tops in their fabulous Star Wars Card Trader app and our friends at Dorkside Toys. Speaking of Dorkside Toys, I got a little confession to make, Jim. I got bit by a bug. <laughs> Did you? The 6-inch Black Series Bug, man. Oh no. I, I, I'm in the tank. I'm in the <laughs> tank. I was I was cherry picking, and now I got to have them all, and I'm going back and I'm picking up some of the older ones, and I, I know you know, some of them are you know they're hit or miss, but I started posing these things. <laughs> and maybe it's because I secretly yearn to be an out-of package collector like you are. There you go. I've just been having such a ball posing these things on these shelves and you know, getting the kids into it and everything, and you know finding that perfect pose. I'm digging them. I'm really having a a, a blast. And I've been getting uh, the most recent ones. In fact, I'm looking at my six-inch Ahsoka Tano right here, courtesy of uh, Dorkside Toys. That's a great-looking figure. And she's hard to find. But if you can uh, get her, you you can get her at Dorkside Toys. Just by the whole case. That's what I did. I'm not I'm not messing around anymore. <laughs> no anyway, certain, yes. love those guys at Dorkside Toys. Also don't forget about donating to Rancho Obi Wan during their spring fundraiser. The uh, website you want to go to is Rancho Obi One dot org slash Rebelforce Radio. Excuse me, let me let me take that back. It's donate dot RanchoObi One dot org slash Rebelforce Radio. Don't forget about that donate. Uh, email address if you'd like to uh, talk to us in between shows, show at rebelforce uh, the voicemail line 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. You can follow us on Twitter at Jimmy Mac Radio at Jason Swank and at Rebel Force Radio. Our Facebook page, you can uh, catch us there. Just do a search for uh, Rebel Force Radio there at Facebook or go to Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. And there's links. You'll find our official uh, uh community page, our group page is there also. Uh iTunes. No better place to subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio and all your favorite podcasts right there. Uh, So you can click that subscribe button, click the review button. Just one rule on those reviews, please. Make them good. And uh, you can also find Rebel Force Radio streaming online at WGNPlus.com. We're available on Spotify. You can uh, get us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. We are an official friend of Wikipedia. Visit the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia at wikipedia.com. I know I'm on there all the time. You can also find us weekly at uh, jedinews.co.uk, yodasnews.com, and the official Star Wars website, starwars.com. Saturday nights, just about each and every week, 7 p.m. Eastern. Catch us on srsounds.com, Sorcerers Radio, and our friend Al John Goh. We'll see you next time. If there's Star Wars news, you know we'll be here to cover it. So keep it tuned right here at Rebel Force Radio. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember,
2: the Force will be with you always.